Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good morning, good Saturday, a little bit of a chilly start here on KMOX. We have a great afternoon coming up when the sun comes out, so it's a great time to prepare for all those things of getting ready for when it gets hot. And I promise you, hot will occur. We've already had kind of a interesting season, plenty of rain, lots of wet all sorts of things that uh, affect this as the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Scott Mosby here at the helm, and we are going to talk about everything related to you, your home, your safety, your health, and security as well. Uh, all those things are a function of a residence or some sort of place where we live. So the security, when I lay my head down at night, am I secure? Is it a safe place to you know, uh, disconnect from really on when it's time to sleep. Uh, also, healthy is the air that I breathe. Is it uh, healthy air? Is it properly filtered? Is there something that can be um, uh, removed from that? For example, viruses, are there problems with uh, the flu or COVID or any other kind of, uh, you know, bacteria that flies around and virus in the air? Can that be handled and made more healthy? Uh, that and then comfort, just the heating and cooling. And I promise you, my big message today is, come on, folks, get ready. Get those air conditioners ready to roll because they will need some attention. When the heat comes, it comes fast. Uh, we experienced a little bit of that already. So uh, it warmish as it is, but just by the temperature, just by the calendar, we're going to get to uh, hot very quickly. All those things we can talk about here on KMOX, 314-436-7900, puts us together today or on a toll-free phone call from anywhere on the globe, 800-925-1120, 800-925-1120. And uh, we will talk about many things today, some of which on the uh, various articles that are published on Mosby Building Arts com my day job if you will uh, something well, I'll talk a little bit about residential zoning ordinances and building codes I'll uh, just uh, get into that just a little bit also for those of you we're we're changing houses so rapidly kitchen or bathroom remodel which first what is the one to start with and then as well as empty nest advantage what's it like when all the kitties grown and gone and it is your turn what is the next step with that also talking about designers how do you mesh how do you um, you know click how do you get along with a good how do you know you've got the right designer for you so those are some of the topics I'll get into today all of those are articles recently published on MosbyBuildingArts.com or for those of you like me who are memory challenged call mosby.com c-a-l-l-m-o-s-b-y.com scott mosby here this is the helitech home improvement show we've had some wetness so bring it on there are going to be some water questions no doubt let's get into the furnaces uh, servicing the air conditioners all that sort of thing which is really important to be prepared for because when the service the ac service season hits we've already had some of it you know, you're going to discover that the air conditioner needs some attention. Some of you will discover they're broken, and it's time to replace, and it's time to really get into it. Well, uh, for me, as a consumer, 
I like to do my homework on a gradual basis. So before I make a purchase, it generally goes on for, you know, just general research. I want to get myself up to some level of knowledge, much like you here on the Helitech Home Improvement Show. We talk about, um, you know, what are the topics, what are the issues that are related in some of these questions and answers, and getting to a place of being prepared to have that interview with a professional service, you know, provider, contractor, if you will, or, you know, is this something I can take care of myself? You know, how handy am I? What were my parents' talents? Did I have any siblings that are pretty sharp? Friends that can help me with those things, all of which is all around your Helitech Home Improvement Show. Scott Mosby, 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. As always, you can follow me here on camwex.com on the website or the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. And for those of you that have trouble getting AM signals, 98.7 FM puts us together on the FM dial as well. Well, we've got interesting weather coming up in the future. Always a change in St. Louis. If you don't like the weather today, just wait. It will change, and those things are important. I have plenty of room for phone calls. Bring them on. You've had some of those pocket questions, I know. Come on in. Just come on into the, come on in. Yeah, have a seat. We're in the classroom here, have a few open seats left, so just come on in, bring in any notes or information you want, have a seat, we'll uh, get together. You may need to use the telephone for us to converse, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I know you've got some of those pocket questions, those things during the week you stick in your pocket and you say, I think I'm going to call Scott on Saturday on X. see if we can get this ironed out. I, I think I know what I want to do, but I'll just find out a second opinion. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Also, I want to remind you about uh, something we talked about with MSD, the Metropolitan Sewer District, and Know Your Zone. Be aware. Floods occur. They occur all the time, and just because you're not in a low-lying area doesn't mean you won't have water in your building in your not just your basement but in other parts of the house as well so there are two different kinds of insurance homeowners insurance there's a standard homeowners policy and both of these are riders or an additional small premium um, one is boiler and drain which meaning if you have a burst pipe which is very common in Missouri when the winter get you know we had a lot of that and I'm sure we can talk about that today but if you have a burst pipe um, many times one of the highest losses that uh, insurance companies face is a failed ice maker and the water you know whatever the filter the cartridge breaks water goes all over the kitchen destroys the floor on and on and on so the point being that that would be what's called boiler drain coverage uh, of a broken pipe. Then there's flood insurance. And for those of you not in a flood zone or floodplain, and you can find that out, and that's one of the points of the MSD of know your zone, you know, how li- which basically means how likely am I to get uh, flooded? So that's kind of the crude way of saying of, of explaining know your zone. The point being that when the rain comes and you've got overland flooding, you know, runoff, surface water, rain, and that stuff comes in your basement or your house or whatever, that's a different kind. That is flood insurance, not to be confused with, I know, some funky boiler drain insurance. So 
But uh, do inquire because I think I pay, you know, for boiler drainage, I think I pay $13 a year for that. You know, and, and it's it's common. And then for flood insurance, since I don't live in a floodplain, you know, it's like, oh, these, this guy's a good risk. He's unlikely to have any problem with that. So that's another inexpensive point. So the, my message here is be prepared, know what you're up against, and check it out. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. It's time to get ready for the coming season. And we've had some interesting storms. I think we're going to have some more as we get into the transitional spring and fall when we go from cool to hot and hot to cool sometimes in an hour uh you know those transition weather patterns wowzer we can really have some occurrences real um you know hailstorms so that's around the corner too be prepared for all of those sorts of things because we just live in st louis 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 i'm going to pause for a little bit of business here on kmox follow me on 98.7 or odyssey.com and uh, you can take me with you anytime and you can do an instant rewind if you can't remember what i just said or i'm speaking ineligibly uh, unintelligible where you just can't understand what i'm saying like now you can roll it back 20 zip instant rewind 20 seconds 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 scott mosby i'll be right back this is the helitech waterproofing home improvement show presented by suburban leisure center celebrating 50 years with you home of the big red chair now scott mosby on the voice of st louis kmox uh, one more time, that uh, uh, website address for those recently published articles is callmosby.com, callmosby.com. So uh, sometimes I forget those things. Let's go right to the phone lines. Bosco's turning around the uh, treadmill, pumping out a whole lot of, of uh, watts here, and we can go talk to Joan. Hey, Joan, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How may I help? Yes, guys. Hello, Thanks Joan. taking my call. Yeah. Hello, okay. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Yes, I have a general question. Um, I am thinking about having my basement renovated, and um, it would include uh, making my laundry room more functional, um, updating plumbing, um, electrical in the entire basement, new flooring, uh, drywall, kind of the whole kit and caboodle. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, in hiring a general contractor, what kind of services um should I expect, and what is a reasonable markup? Joan, that's a huge question, and you're a little early. I would start with design. For example, um, I, I would coach that perhaps you getting clear on what you're looking for, and that means drawing up some sort of plans, something along those lines. Um, you know, how big is the room? Is it including, you know, TV wiring, audio wiring, any of that stuff? Because the nuts and the bolts, pretty much anybody on a general contractor, as busy as it is, they can put the nuts and bolts together. But the important part is, you know, what if you get to the end of the project and then you realize, oh, man, that room is just not big enough. My piano doesn't fit. Well, that's a function of a good design stage of planning through what are you going to do with it. So, you know, there's kind of a seven habits, you know, a, a book years ago, and, and one of the seven habits is begin with the end in mind. So in your mind's eye, 
what furniture would be down there, who would be there, uh, how would they sit, uh, would grandchildren play, would they, you know, do you want a great big TV, you know, for that, and or just a separate game console for the kids somewhere else. So again, my message is, you're first, what exactly do I want as a consumer in my house? Number two, the second step is really design-wise, going through with a designer, and because that, in terms of, you know, when you get into markup, it's kind of like, what is the price of those things well until you know what you're buying it's hard to tell you how much it costs and in construction it's so complex to estimate because you've got to know what you're doing first before you can get price now generally you can go within you know you know big chunks so within 10 or 20,000 here's what it's going to cost you depending on how big your basement is but my advice is uh, get clear with you uh anybody that's in you know you're in your house with your spouse partner whatever uh then the designer and at that point then you decide because then once you decide if you're doing gold plated windows that knocks out 90% of the contractors. They just can't handle the white glove service. You know, see what I mean? So until you know what you're building, it's hard to say, well, how far up the food chain of trade skills do I need to buy, which also affects how much does it cost or what's the markup. So that's kind of the plan. Am I getting close here? Well, I, I have a general idea of um, what I expect the basement to look like um when all is said and done and in my mind it's it's generally just um a modest renovation is what i'm expecting um i'd like you know the electrical and the plumbing to be up to code right now i don't think it is and i feel like maybe it's not as safe as it should be and mm-hmm. as far as the rest of it um the laundry room just some you know basic um cabinetry um you know basic maybe luxury vinyl tile flooring um drywall and um, some kind of utility closet and that's basically it Uh, nothing too fancy nothing too luxurious well it still includes purchasing cabinets installing cabinets flooring plumbing electric there'll be some heating and cooling in there uh, all of that so what you describe is kind of a basic is interior finish like the first level of your house with less high quality materials so it's still as as a construction project goes when you're using all those trades all those licensed trades um, now you're into plans you're into permitting and all that uh, because the other issue here is if you don't get a permit for that work and there is a loss at that house the homeowner's insurance can deny that coverage because you didn't follow the rules that are stated for how to go about doing that stuff so uh, where you say I, I'm seeing a fairly basic basement finished I'm seeing a pretty uh, not a big deal but it's a comprehensive remodel. If you're doing all those trades and plumbing, electric, heating, cooling, correcting some problems, knowing what to correct. Uh, and then, you know, so anyway, just be aware that this is not as easy as you suspect, which basically means it's probably not going to be as inexpensive as you suspect. Well, yes, I, I understand that. Um, it, are all of those things you talked about, should I expect the general contractor to be the one who worries about the details of all of that? Once yes. I have a design in mind. Yes. 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 And then there's and going there out. A... Go ahead, please. Well, what I was going to ask is I, I'm trying to figure out um, 
what kind of added costs the general contractor will be adding on top of the the costs from the subcontractors. I know that there's generally some kind of a markup, and in the okay. past I've had I've had uh, projects done where there was um, a twenty percent markup, and the project turned out just fine. I was happy, and I'm just wondering at this point in time, is that something that I should expect uh, another twenty percent markup, or because everything's so crazy now, should I expect something more than that? Now, your 20% markup, it's not a markup, though. I want to get into the, um, for example, the supervision, at least in my world, if you don't have supervision, you've got an orchestra of the finest uh, musicians out there not playing together. So supervision to me is a direct cost. There, by God, better be somebody there uh, driving the bus and making daily decisions of all those things. So I consider that a, a... basically an added labor cost. And then your markup typically gets anywhere from 10 to 12% of that now, that uh, supervised budget. So you get into that. And then the question is, you know, and this is where a lot of contractors will bake their cake a whole different way. There's direct costs and then there's adding because Uncle Sam makes us pay this and then there's insurance and such and such. Those are direct costs as well. So by the time you bake those all in, I will tell you that uh, custom home builders on the average are somewhere around 26% overhead, uh, which is on top of their supervision, if you will. Remodelers tend to be a couple points higher than that at 26 to 28%. Okay. All right, and well, it that just gives a, me a good idea what to expect. Yeah, yeah, and, and you'll know it. And, and frankly, when you're interviewing general contractors or companies, you're going to see that the prices for more services are higher, prices for less services are lower. So um, anyway, you'll get a good sense for it, I think. Okay, well, that's very helpful. I appreciate that, that information. You're welcome, Joan. All right. Thanks thank for you. calling. All righty, bye now. Bye-bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX, 314-436-7900, Lots of things to talk about here on University of KMOX. Let's go talk with my friend Lisa. Hey, Lisa, Scott Mosby, good morning. How can I help? Thank you. I am calling because we have some kind of insect or bug that is in our soffit fascia area or our wall. We think it's more in the soffit fascia area. Uh, we contacted a, an exterminating company, and they won't touch it because it's between the wall. But we were told to buy like a boric acid, drill holes in the drywall, spray the boric acid in there, um, and that could take care of it. Um, and then it kind of did for a while, but then the insect bug came back. And in recent years, because we've been dealing with this for a few years, because it would go away, come back, go away, come back. And it happens year round. It doesn't necessarily stop in the winter. Um, so recently we've been outside and we've heard it. So we thought, oh, it might be in that soffit fascia area. So, but we can't push up on the soffit area to see what's in there because it's, it's, uh, it's trimmed out, okay? Sure. Um, do you have any suggestions? Um, well, I will tell you the borate uh, is basically borax. So, uh, for example, uh, oftentimes um, if I'm building something, I'll just go get 20 mule team borax at the grocery store and shake that on the bottom plate of new framing whenever I'm building something. Oh, it's okay. That, 
Yeah, I mean, there's no rocket science. This stuff's $5 a box. It's basic, and bugs just do not like it. Primarily, I got into it because of cockroaches. Well, it's more than just cockroaches. That borate is just not friendly on those little critters. So that's that's a good practice. Um, so anytime you open up or finish a basement or a bathroom, shake a little bit of borax in there, and you're fine. Um, it, it won't. It doesn't f- fix everything because a termite will come in and eat into the wood, and they'll never encounter that borax stuff, the powder. It just looks like white laundry powder. Um, so that's one way. As far as getting into your attic, you can actually go up into the attic with a flashlight and you may not need to move or crawl over to the area where you're looking uh if you just get up in the attic and i would advise now this time of year uh even today right now you'd be surprised uh you know it's 50 something degrees outside it'll still be 100 degrees in your attic because of the solar gain of your sun hitting that roof uh, but take a peek over in that area. Use a long spotlight flashlight. The halogens with the condensed light beams are nice. And just see if everything over there looks okay. You might find that there's a nest or something like that. Uh, but really, it's, um, you know, given pest control companies access to some of that stuff, yeah, it's, you know, they can take care of anything, but getting to it is the cause. It's like the plumber. You know, the plumber can, you know, fixing the pipes $10, but pulling the wall apart and putting it back together might be $1,800. Oh, and that's interesting. We called two different ones, and both of them said no. They don't deal so, with it between the walls, so I don't know. Right, right. That's, well, that, now you're getting into why would you have a general contractor, because the general contractor holds the responsibilities for those other things, okay. or you as the homeowner would hold responsibilities for those other okay. things. Because, and, and here's the other side of it. Uh, companies that say they will open it and close it, it's not really part of their A-list of skills. So when I find yeah. companies that do repairs, basically, you know, they're calling us. It's like, well, here's what they did. And it's like, oh. I wish they wouldn't have done anything, you know, so a lot of (laughs) mastery is knowing what not to touch with your skill set. So then you're just saying and you're suggesting go up and look in the attic, um, do a good um, spotlight type situation. And because it's on the opposite side, our access triadic is on the opposite side of where this is in the wall or fascia soffit area. Um, Go up there, try to see over or climb over to that area to see if we can see any disruption, any kind of nest or disruption right. in the insulation up there. Yeah, and inspect then if we what don't, you expect. Yep. Okay, and if we don't, then do we, because that was one of the suggestions of one of the um, bug places we called. They said you might have to just cut the whole drywall out, take your insulation out and see what's in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, there there's also a thermal in, in, imaging, kind of an infrared, which now mm-hmm. often a lot of the home inspectors have them on their uh, smartphones. Uh, we used to use them for doing home uh, evaluations. But if there's a nest in there, there will be heat with those live somethings, whatever they are. So oh, on okay. a day like, yeah, day like today, where uh, the difference in temperature is 20, say you're inside 70, your outside is 50, that 20 degrees difference in temperature will show up as a different color to where the, you know, you can see kind of inside the walls. You generally see the two by fours going up and down because they're a different temperature, you know, than the insulation in the wall cavity. So those are opportunities as well. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Okay. Thanks, Lisa. Take care. Bye. Bye.
Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. We'll take a short pause and come back for more after this. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, back to the phone line. Scott Mosby here on the microphone with the uh, phone service. We are 314-436-7900 and toll-free 800-925-1120. You can pick us up and listen on 1120 AM, 98.7 FM, or odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Let's go to Don see what's happening there. Hey, Don, good morning. Welcome to CamWax. How can I help, sir? Hi, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. I've got a hip roof, and I'm having my roof replaced. And right now I have seven of these, um, I guess, uh, maybe 18-inch square vents up there, and the uh, contractor's wanting to replace them with ridge um, vents throughout. Mm -hmm. And I was just curious, um, you know, if if that's a better idea. Well, um uh, it's a it's a better idea. It's hard to carry off in actuality. Uh, we call those pan vents, the little square things, just pan or bubble vents, uh, um, and right. they're actually pretty efficient because they're they're a literal you know they're twelve inches by twelve inches, a hole cut in the roof, and then this metal thing to keep the rain out, so the air escapes pretty quickly. The issue on ridge vents on a hip roof is it's the highest top ridge that really exhausts the air. If you put it on the hip ridges going down the four corners, assuming there's just a standard, you know, rectangular house hip going, if you put hip ridge on the other four angles, on those 45-degree angles on the two hips, those become the intake air so the air comes in five feet below the top and then exhausts at the top ridge. Uh, so typically, uh, I'm cut to the chase here, a hip roof commonly has a lot more pan vents because they don't have a whole lot of high top ridge cap. Okay. I, I From what I'm understanding, he's, he's just putting uh, the ridge vent on the, on the highest portions of, you know, of my roof, uh, which yes. I think it ended up being like 88 feet, something like that. Okay, and it well, seemed that... like a pretty good idea. You know, I have a, it's a 12-year-old house, so it's not very old. Um, well, here's here's what uh, has to happen. Uh, this is actually an engineering calculation, and Ridge Vent has an FAS rating, free airspace. Those pan vents have an FAS rating, free airspace. You basically need about two percent of uh uh well about about two percent of your floor space so if you've got a 1,000 square foot house you need uh two percent of that is you need 20 square feet of holes in your attic and that is a combination of down at the bottom where your overhang is by the gutter line and the ridge vent at the top so most commonly on hip houses, we will ridge vent the top, and generally, very high up on there, we'll add pan vents to supplement to come to the FAS number we're looking for. Um, and uh, there, there is uh, there's online calculators for these things. Uh, but the bottom line okay. on hip 
uh, ridge vents is it's hard to hit even with 82 feet you know 82 feet mo- and then at the FAS rating for that particular brand of ridge vent you know you can calculate what you have but uh, if you can do a little checking online with that you'd be surprised how uh, quickly you can come up with some pretty quick calculators and oh, if he's okay. not doing well, that calculation, if he's not doing the calculation, you need to have a real long talk and say, well, how do you know when enough is enough? Well, we just typically yeah. put them up. It's like, you, well, yeah, that's how we got into trouble. You know, I, I want to yeah. see somebody driving this bus with some knowledge. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Scott. I really appreciate it. Okay, Don, and don't be afraid to, you know, check into it, but just as a rule of thumb, uh, and then generally you want about 60% of the intake air of that 2% of your whole, like your 20 square feet you need for a 1,000 square foot house, you generally want about mm-hmm. 60% of that low on the intake bottom, and then you need 40% you like of the soffit? You mean yes, yes. soffit ventilation all the way around as far as I can see? Um, and that's probably why he's going at the way he is, because you have a good intake, and maybe 82 mm-hmm. feet ridge vent is enough. Uh, but he can, he, you know, this calculation takes about five to seven minutes to come up with. Oh, okay. It, it's not a All big right. deal. Great. Now I've got a good question to ask him then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Don, take care. Thank you. Bye. And again, this it's one of those things that uh, uh, roofers kind of came into – uh, attic ventilation um, by the back door. Um, it, it's not their first thought. So generally, roofers are good at applying roof shingles and roofing, sometimes flashing. Uh, then we find out all this ice damming because of where we are in St. Louis. We've got ice dams. If it gets too hot or too cold in various parts of the attic, it can melt the uh, snow then at night it freezes and turns into a block of ice and then when the ice uh, melts the next day when the sun comes up it wicks back up hill underneath the shingles so the water crawls uphill under shingles so we're learning it's like oh my gosh i don't want that to happen well the way to fix that is keep it cold all the time which means really ventilate your attic and your uh, overhangs so then there's attic ventilation which is in there which truly is an engineering calculation just like a heat loss calculation is for a uh, heating and cooling how big is my air conditioner for example or how big is the furnace so then you know you've got roofers that they just kind of put up some ridge vent because it sells really good Uh, but they don't really know how to and haven't been trained how to do the calculation so my point being that the really good roofers understand this right away they learned this 20 30 years ago when we understood more about attic ventilation and they're the good ones are all over this and they can you know they can go chapter and verse for you right out of the you know the tables uh so anyway just be aware the really good ones know this stuff do it as normal course of business and then the material appliers really kind of begrudging begrudgingly put up something on the roof um that you know somebody taught them yeah this is enough and how a 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 scott mosby back for more after this this is the helitech waterproofing home improvement show presented by suburban leisure center celebrating 50 years with you home of the big red chair now scott mosby on the voice of st louis kmox Yes, indeed. We're wrapping up to the top of the first hour. Let's talk to my friend Mike and see what's cooking with him. Mike, good morning. What? How can we help you here on KMOX? 
Yeah, I have an old house in South St. Louis, and I'm getting a little water in the basement. There's some major cracks in the foundation, but the house has settled over time. But the big problem seems to be the sidewalk that's outside the house. It is sloping towards the foundation. Uh-huh. So I'm wondering what I can do about that. I've had some prior experience with polyjacking, and it didn't work out real well. Okay. Well, the if you have, basically, that sidewalk is a roof, and it will dump the water one way or the other, either away from the house, make things a little better, or toward the house, and that's just a... Uh, you know, super highway straight into your basement. Foundations, especially in old South St. Louis, were not made to handle water around the base of the foundation. Uh, Thus, all the underground downspout and gutter drains and all of that to try and gather and limit the amount of surface water runoff in the city of St. Louis. So that's why. Um, So you either have to... uh, Reslope that sidewalk, and people will get in there with some of the most horrendous materials like roofing cement and caulk. Well, it's not a boat. That stuff's just going to slow down the seep in water, you know, at that point. So that sidewalk has got to be replaced or resloped as well as sealed next to the foundation. Uh, we have the same issue with driveways all, all around University City, around uh, the inner rings of St. Louis City, and many of the suburbs. So it, it's important that the soil slope away from the house the gutters gather the water from the roof pipe it down into downspouts and then those downspout drains dump and carry the water away from the house in the city that's into the downspout drains but that sidewalk is a problem you know polyjacking or not you need to do something with that Uh, The issue with polyjacking and companies is it doesn't take a lot of material to re-slope a slab. Uh, But there's still a big void underneath that sloping sidewalk. So if it's tilting toward your house, that means the soil's settled. And in raising that slab, they may only need to have two chunks of poly the size of a basketball to lift that concrete up and stop. But filling the rest of the void oftentimes moves the concrete slab too much. So sometimes uh, the leveling will actually leave the voids underneath that concrete. So you've got to judge that. If you've got water issues, you know, then there's the concept of, you know, pull out the concrete, see what you've got underneath there, fix the drainage, and then put your sidewalk back in, which is a remove and replace. But, yeah, you're, I, I, you know, it's oftentimes concrete leveling, whether uh, polyjacking or, you know, mudjacking, any of those old ones, still will leave those voids and the water just keeps coming in. What about just filling up the, the next to it with self-leveling caulk and letting it go down behind the, the in, into the uh, ground and see if that would seal that leak off? Well, uh, it's a good theory. Uh, it can work, but it won't stop the water from coming underneath that uh, slab. In the rains that we've had here in St. Louis, the soil is just so wet that the water is actually two feet underground traveling sideways, you know, path of least resistance. If there's a, a bowl stuck in the soil, in the wet soil, kind of like a boat, which is what your basement is, that water sees, you know, it, it, it travels from high concentration where it's wet to low concentration to the dry, which means it's going to really work to come into your foundation. So even if you keep all the surface water from getting there you still have the other stuff coming in this is where you know almost always you get into you know a 
basement dewatering system because there's so many different ways the water comes in a basement, but you just still have to get it out. Right. The last part of this question, uh, 20 years ago, I used some epoxy that came in two tubes and you squeezed it out and it mixed together. And yeah. it kept this basement dry for about 15 or 20 years. I wonder well, if I good. can go back that's... and use a little bit of that. Well, the problem is, is it'll cost you about $3,000 to do all of that. So, I mean, you know, it's just expensive materials. So you follow what I mean there? I would go right, ahead no. and try caulking this thing, Mike. I've only got about 10 more seconds here. So uh, anyway, okay, thank I, I, you. All right, I'd try caulking it, but uh, beware that you really need that roof to slope away from the house. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Stay tuned. News, weather, and sports next on CamWex. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, lunchtime, noontime. Center of the day, KMOX, Scott Mosby. This is the Heeltech Home Improvement Show. We have phone lines wide open for you, 314-436-7900 and 800-925-1120, 800-925-1120. If you want to get together and chat, it's 314-436-7900. We've got phone calls coming in. Uh, some of the uh, topics that I would uh, uh, promise to discuss is residential zoning and coding. Keep in mind that there are two different regulatory processes. Number one, uh, uh, zoning is, is that structure appropriate and is it the right size to fit in with whatever the, the original planners thought or deed covenants might be in a neighborhood? Uh, and are they far enough apart that if one catches on fire, it doesn't, com- you know, result in a whole conflagration where the whole city burns down, you know, like Chicago did in the downtown St. Louis areas, you know, uh, in past centuries. So keep in mind, zoning is kind of, you know, how close together these are built. And when you put buildings closer and closer and closer together, then they change and specify different kinds of building materials that are less flammable, less prone to catching on fire from an adjacent structure fire. So keep that in mind. So zoning is the first step in everything. Uh, so for us, anyway, this is a, uh, a blog or an article written on callmosby.com. Residential zoning and coding kind of gets into that. Uh, and uh, it also touches on, you know, the zoning and then and building building code is then uh, in related to that zoning uh, uh, requirement then the building code requires this in result to that uh, and then keep in mind in the just in St. Louis County alone just in St. Louis County inside there are 92 separate municipalities each can have their own separate building code so you might live two miles away from a friend of yours and be under two different building code requirements so when they say the code uh, just be aware there's so many of them and every municipality is a little bit different for example if it's a municipality that requires only an all brick construction it's hard to burn that stuff down those buildings can get closer together thus think back of uh, Soulard Market Lafayette Square uh, that 
the buildings in the uh, city of St. Louis where real estate was location was so important when it was horse and buggy everything had to be you know within horse and buggy range so buildings got closer together as they got closer together they all burned down this oh no this time we're going to build it out of brick something that doesn't burn thus all the slate roofs the clay tile roofs non-flammable roofing materials that's where those came from it wasn't just a uh, sense of well let's have a, a better higher uh, perceived value roof on there it was how do we keep this thing from burning down so anyway when so as you engage a company like ours mosby building arts my day job then it's up to us to know where to go what the requirements are design that project for that so when you have somebody that you know the plans go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back you know it's like well they got re- you know and, and it's the zoning guys or the code you know the plan review guys if it's their fault generally it was really the designer's fault and that's why we at Mosby building our do design build we hold that design responsibility because we also want the responsibility and the ability to make those plan reviews go quicker uh, so you know just be careful who you're hearing somebody badmouth that you know oftentimes they're three fingers pointing back and one at the uh, alleged guilty party uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 one of the other topics is for those of you moving to different houses and there's a bunch of you kitchen or bath remodel now that i have this house where do i start what is first um well it gets to time and of course what a big surprise money but when you get into it where do i spend the most time and i think you'll be surprised to see what that is so that's on callmosby.com but anyway there's much more on each of these articles residential zoning and coding by one of our licensed architects at mosby and kitchener bathroom model which should I do first? Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. If you haven't figured it out, my name is Scott Mosby. I own and operate Mosby Building Arts. We were founded in 1947. We are a company that has many um, licensed trades and many employees. So we self-perform a great deal of our work by design uh, because as we grew over the years, you know, and design being a perfect example of it, we now have about a 10-person architectural firm inside Mosby Building Arts because we want it done right. And frankly, if you have a project being designed without the production, the contractor, the tradesman's voice in there. Um, Architects are not necessarily schooled in how to best keep water out of a roof or a siding, what the best membranes are, because we at Mosby also repair and fix stuff. So we get forensic education every day of every week when we're pulling something apart that was built wrong by somebody else years before. It's like, oh my gosh, this this is how you do it right. Trot on down the aisle to the design department at Mosby, and it's like, you know what? This is how the I want the flashing shown. And most of that is really not handled or uh, dealt with in a traditional bid-build architectural firm. So anyway, that's kind of it. Let's go to the phone lines. I'm uh, getting itching. Let's get rolling here. Let's see what's cooking with my buddy, Ed. Hey, Ed, good afternoon. Thanks for getting us started here on KMOX. Lunchtime, how can we help you? Hey, Scott. Thanks yes. for having me. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking to put solar panels on my roof. Okay. And, uh, boy, there's there's a million guys out there that want to do it, and there's a million prices. Mm-hmm. You got any suggestions about how to go about that? Who to use? 
Uh, where, like what, are you in Missouri or Illinois? I'm in Afton, yeah. Missouri. You're in Afton. Uh, Illinois has okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna step back and answer a bigger question. Um, there is a a very um, lucrative. I think it's 22 percent of solar tax credit that comes back from the federal government. Um, Illinois also has another enormous tax credit against state taxes uh, that pays for a big chunk of that. Missouri has a much smaller amount. Um, so either way, um, it used to be, and, and probably with the Biden administration, the uh, those tax credits may increase um, just because of the focus on renewable energy. So I'm not judging good, bad, or ugly. I'm saying that there may be a more lucrative uh, time for the solar. Uh, as far as solar, I love solar. Back uh, 70 years ago uh, when I was a kid, and my dad said, you know, before the end of your life, solar is going to be an enormous part of energy because that stuff falls out of the sky, shines on everything all the time. He said, I foresee a time when, you know, um, federal buildings are solar collectors on them, highway medians are solar collectors, you know, and on and on and on. So it was kind of interesting. It's like, oh, dad, you're nuts, you know. Well, here we are. It's we're we're getting there and the whole world is becoming electrified uh, as far as how to figure this out. Um, there are leasing opportunities that because of the way the tax laws under the previous Trump administration was uh, to kind of jumpstart the economy and get the jobs back going, they got pretty uh, liberal with some of the depreciation. So you can, you can create a company that takes those tax deductions and then so you can sell your solar panels for less. So there are leasing situations. The problem with that is when you go to sell your house, you don't own that part of your house. Somebody else does. So there's a little, it's a little politically uh, sticky when you go to sell and ownership and all of that. If you're going to be there a long time, it can be a good thing. But generally, owning in my world is a better deal for solar. As far as who, um, it's just like a construction or remodeling contract. You're going into business with that company and people. So you have to judge their credit worthiness. You have to judge their ability to train and retain uh, good skilled workers. Uh, they've got to be smart enough that when you have trouble, because putting in a new something is a lot easier than finding out what's wrong with it and fixing it. So that's two total totally different skill sets so troubleshooting and fixing a solar array is is much more difficult than putting it in the first time and i like to couple that just like in in my business that i like to have the repair guys making the install guys smarter every day with all of their experience so again just think through that uh but i don't have any big magic bullets for you uh you know frankly ed oh it, shoot that's it what is i was yeah, it it's uh it hasn't been standardized yet uh to where there is an international standard of how these panels are. Um the Chinese we had a pretty thriving solar industry. I was really big you, you can tell from my voice, you know, 10 15 years ago it's like man solar's coming dad was right. But you know what? Then all of a sudden the Chinese started we had 
good companies making good solar panels in the U.S. And the Chinese started financing those private industry industries in China to the point that they were selling below their cost because the government paid them to make money selling below their cost. So then that just wiped out the entire U.S. Uh, solar panel. So part of the thing with, you know, whether you agree or disagree, uh, but, you know, our current administration is going to, you know, juice up that renewable energy and get uh, that to a higher level of um, standardization. And that's why all these political talks with China are getting so contentious, because they're doing that in steel, solar panels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. my, my, my big message is 10 years from now, it's going to be a whole lot better than now. But uh, to say where we are today, it's, it's still the Wild West with a lot of independent uh, service providers. And you are by, and there are good companies out there. Don't get me wrong, but you're going to you'll know them when you see them. But uh, this this is one where uh, brand and longevity and financial stability really matters because you're getting in bed with them for 20 something years. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and Biden extended the tax credit to 26 percent from last year to this year. Oh, so did. instead of dropping it. Instead of dropping to twenty two, yeah. it continued at twenty six. Yeah, and Ameren a... gives you two hundred and fifty dollars a kilowatt hour for okay. what you put on. So okay. you know there are there's other discounts like that too, but yeah, the Wild West part is a scary part. Well, yeah, I wish I could tell you it was different, Ed, but you're experiencing just the way the marketplace really is. It will moderate out, but uh, you know, for now, um, you know, I, there are. Uh, I will tell you, uh, one of the geothermal companies over in Greenville, Illinois, is very big into solar um, because of the Illinois tax credits there, and they're very good at it. But they're they're more on the wholesale end. Uh, they could, you know, that would be the place I would start by calling. Okay, I'll give them a call. Thanks. Yeah, it's uh, uh, well, anyway, they're, they're in Greenville, Illinois. Thanks, Ed. Take care. 314 436 7900 800 925 1120. got a little windy on my first answer. We'll be right back after this on KMOX. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Okie doke, back together, lunchtime, middle of the day. It is University of KMOX. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Foundation and Remodeling Home Improvement Show. I got lost there, never mind. Uh, solar solar Senior moment. I uh, checked into the name of the company over in Greenville, Illinois. It's GeoComfort. And uh, they were into geothermal for a very long time. And it got to the spinoff of solar was kind of the natural growth out. out uh, crapping. So anyway, good company, good people. Uh, 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. Uh, let's go to the phone line, see what's cooking with my buddy, Laura. Hey, Laura. Good afternoon. Welcome to Lunch on CamWax. How can I help? Good afternoon, Scott. Thank you very much. Yeah. We live in a fourplex. Two units on the right, two on the left, one up, one down. And it is a split-level structure. We are having a French drain. We have, we're digging out right now to put in a French drain. And as we were doing this, on the, facing the building on the right-hand corner, there is a big chunk of concrete that is 
off of the end of the foundation. And I don't know, it's about maybe three inches wide. So that last brick, you know, there's like nothing supporting it. Then there's a little bit of concrete of the foundation. And to the left um, of that little bit of concrete, there's about a one-inch crack. And then you go around the corner, and there's the same thing, a little bit of concrete and a one-inch crack. So is this a usual foundation thing, or is this something your company works on? Um, Let me ask you a little bit more. I think I understand this. Is this the outside corner of the concrete foundation kind of spalled off at the top V-shaped kind of thing? Yes, it's the top part of the concrete foundation. And do those angle down in kind of a V that meet maybe, you know, a foot and a half below that brick maybe? No, it's where it starts where the where the concrete meets the brick. Right. That's right. where it starts. It looks like somebody went in and like, I don't know, took a sledgehammer and whacked cracked off about two to three inches of that end piece, you know, the corner piece of the concrete. Okay. Let me, I'm going to take a crack at this. What I think this is, is it a straight deep crack that goes way down deep and it's wide, or is this just a loose piece of concrete on the foundation? Well, first we have the, it was a loose piece of concrete until we started digging around there and then it fell right off. Yeah, not to worry, not to worry. Here's what happens. You've got white old concrete, and at white temperature, when the sun shines on it, it doesn't change a whole lot in temperature, so it stays about the same size. Your brick, usually a darker temperature, when it gets hit by heat or sun, it literally gets bigger. So when the brick slides on top of the concrete foundation, it slides, and where it slides, when it's sliding on a straight wall, there's really nothing to break off, but when it gets to a corner, it spalls out that top loose piece of concrete. Structurally, it's only an issue for holding up the brick. It typically is not a deep structural problem for the foundation or the structure. So this is normally what I consider it's important to fix from the brick um, adherence point, but it's not a big structural issue. And it, it just basically, if you save that piece of concrete, it's pretty much chipping it down enough so it fits back in there and you epoxy that rascal back in place. Okay, so then next to that, though, there is uh, maybe about, you know, two-inch two inch area of concrete. And to the left of that two-inch area of concrete, there's a one-inch crack mm-hmm. in front. And then you go around the corner, and it's the same thing, about two inches of concrete and then a big one-inch crack. Yeah. How wide is that crack when it opens up and all? Um, That crack is, well, where the concrete's out, it's about one inch. So the crack inside, in fact, you can take a knife and put it through the crack in the front, and it goes all the way through the crack on the side. That is a structural concern. You need somebody smart looking at that one. That is, you may have both going on here, 
but um, they can happen in conjunction, but they're not really related. If you've got something that wide on a crack at a corner, uh, you need somebody like a Helitech to come in and take a look at this thing. That Now you need to take gather some data and find out what's really happening, but that is, that's real. And corners of houses, and, and especially old houses, uh, they erode out because when the water, you know, you get rainfall and then the water flows away, with it goes some soil. Sometimes it undermines the foundation a little bit. You get some movement, and off you go to the races. So I, I think right. you need somebody smart to come see. Okay. W- would it be uh, advisable to start with a, a structural engineer? Uh, yeah, you could do that or a foundation repair company, really, because the found, the structural engineer will understand what it is, and then basically you're going to be right into the repair thing. Well, the foundation company, the, the good ones know what they're looking at right away, and, and it, it'll just be part of uh, an assessment, you know, first Okay, so, yeah, I've used Tila Tech a couple of times. So either call them or right before you got on the line, there was an ad for foundation recovery systems. Do they do the same type of thing? Right. Any kind of a foundation repair company can can assess this, I think. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you for your help. I appreciate it. Love your show. All right, Laura. Good luck. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. When we get into foundations, that's a big deal. So, uh, um, and when they start to move, just just be aware, uh, you know, the, the better foundation companies around the St. Louis area know the soil uh, profiles of various parts of our town. So as, when you call in, you give them your zip code, they have about a 50% chance of knowing what's going on already. It's like, oh, it's that soil, a lot of clay, a lot of silt, moves a lot. Well, so anyway, then they go in and, and they might even have a database that tells them more about that. Anyway, it's just, it's it's kind of predictable. Uh, I have phone lines open here, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120-436-7900. When we come back, we're going to talk about windows here on KMOX. This is the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, phone lines open for you to join the conversation here. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, or on the FM dial 98.7, on the AM dial 1120, and on the app odyssey.com. Uh, let's see what's happening with my friend Kurt. Hey, Kurt, Scott Mosby here. How can I help? Hey, Scott. Appreciate you taking my call. Um, got a full, a small bathroom and older house built around 1940s. It has a window uh, over the tub. It's a glass block window, and in the middle of the glass block, it's got like a crank where you can open it up to with the screen. It's hideous. Uh, but I'm looking at my options here. I'm wondering what your recommendation is. Should we replace it? Is it best to replace it with, with another window? And if so, what type of window would be best for an application like that? Or should if I can I just towel over it? And if I were to towel over it, what would that construction look like? Would that be insulation, stretch drywall over it? Do I have to break it in? Or what, what would you recommend? Well, first off, there's a reason it's glass block. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. the, the one thing I'm really sure, Kurt, is when it's 10 mm-hmm. degrees below zero in February, you're not going to open that vent to let the no. moisture out. 
Yeah. Yeah, you no. go first. Yeah. <laughs> so, but if you if you remove that vent from the glass block window, you're now responsible to put an exhaust fan in that bathroom because that's the per- okay. believe it or not. I'm sorry, man. That's the way it is. That little yeah. vent complies with wintertime ventilation for a hot, steamy shower. I I didn't design that system. So anyway. <laughs> I would suggest replacing with a glass block window because I, I suspect your house is, is masonry construction, brick. Yeah, yes, it yeah. is. Yeah, well, glass block is perfect for that. Uh, some would okay. challenge me on the aesthetics. The next thing you can do is an aluminum frame window with insulated glass. They look different. Um, they do let in more light, but then you have to, you know, it's just a pricier deal. Uh, basically, it's a brick layers solution, which means pull out that glass block, put it in. We've got some good glass block companies in St. Louis, uh, and it's just there's no water problem with it. They're as well insulated as any glass window can be, um, and the only ding to it is the aesthetics. It, it looks a little dated, but you know what? Yeah. You're never going to replace the rot in that window ever in a glass block window. So, uh, well, you're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it's been there for ages. So, all right. So, just stick with a glass block is definitely going to be the best option from a performance standpoint. Yeah. And price, you know, they're pretty inexpensive. Okay. The companies come out, they'll take that glass block, they'll put a new one in, they get rid of that vent. Uh, you can't really just do the vent because you'd be surprised when that new window gets there. If they just bring a sample and you hold it up to that old glass, the old glass will be yellow compared to the new stuff. So you can't really patch in just the vent. I've been asked that several times. It just it looks like a polka dot in the middle of the window. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. All right, Kurt. Good luck, brother. Take care. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. And, and I, I, I have been challenged on that answer more than once for uh, uh, dated. It's like, well, Scott, that's kind of yesterday's style. It's like, well, it is. But for me, I'm a nuts and bolts guy. I like the glass block. You'd be surprised how many good-looking glass block tiles are out there. Um, it's kind of a lost art. It's hard to find sometimes. But, uh, for example, we live in the Midwest. We're in St. Louis, and it gets wet here, and showers get wet, and the inside wall cavity gets wet, and the outside of the brick gets wet. You know, so what can deal with that? So I've, I've looked at, you know, we get vinyl windows, which is a good solution, but they've got U-channels, and the water gets stuck in there. So even if it drains out, if you put weep holes in it, you still have standing water, and you have to scrub the the tracks inside that final anyway on and on and on now let's see what's happening with my friend angel hey angel scott mosby here how can i help you today on camo x well this time i'm i'm calling to you from closer because i'm calling to you from my house in shiloh first time i talked to you i called you from my house in puerto rico and you helped me with a solution to the problem hey angel you're my you're my favorite caller i boasted on you for years I remember that phone call. You called me about freezing pipes from uh, Puerto Rico. I said, what is this about? Remember that? You're my favorite caller. Okay. Uh, uh, the problem is this. My hot water heater, the other day I heard you giving an answer to someone about a hot water heater. I have yes. a 20, a 50, 50 gallon. Uh, electric, this is a whole uh, electric house, uh, water heater, 
it's about 20 years old. So I, I don't I don't want it to break before. I'm gonna, I want to replace it. But I understood you spoke about a system that uh, it will it takes a while from for the hot water to come from the be- from the uh, basement over to the to the kitchen, for example, or to the bathrooms upstairs. Yes. Uh, yes. So it, it, could you explain to me? Did I hear you right? There is a system that makes the water just uh, come quicker, or it, yes. it, you told me you like that. Could you explain yes. to me? I don't know what I'm going to ask. Be asking for. No, you're doing fine. Uh, you drew a good picture. Um, it is a circular hot water loop. So if you can run a copper pipe up to that bathroom easily, if it's just a one-story house, this is pretty easy to do. So you have one hot water pipe that goes to the faucet or the tub or the bathroom. What you do is you put another tube, another piece of copper pipe, you tie into it and put a little pump so that the water from the hot water heater, and I agree, this 20-year-old water heater, it's time to choose when you want to replace that and not when it breaks and you know your house is full of guests so i'm with you there angel so the there that pump runs very slowly and the water moves very slowly and it just circulates that hot water around in a circle through those pipes and when you turn on the hot water faucet it taps into that already hot circle and out comes, you know, you get your two, three, four feet of cold water that's there until it hits that circle. So instead of 30 seconds of cold water, you get, you know, a couple seconds of cold water. And that's called an, an instant hot or circular or on-demand uh, hot water system. So that's what I was talking about on that show. Okay. okay. There's, uh, there's, there's been, also uh, a... I listen to you every week, my friend. Hey, thank you. I, I, I've told stories on you. I'll bet it's been five or six years we were yes. since you called. And it's like, yes. well, yes. I'm most proudest I, of the I, guy. I, and the other day, unfortunately, I have a walkout basement, and I took the dog out uh, on October of 2019. Yeah. And when I, I see water coming out of the door, of, 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 the, of the basement door, going out of the lake, I said that's not good. So <laughs> I came out. I came in, went downstairs, and I stepped on three inches of water. Oh! So I had to call your friends at Helitech, and the gentleman. I didn't need their services, but because of you recommend them, and the, I forgot the name of the gentleman that came in here. Very professional. Uh, I really appreciate him, and I did recommend my neighbor who who did need his help, and Helitech did the job for them. So I'm paying attention to you, my friend, and I appreciate your work. (laughs) Thank you, Angel. You too. Thank you. Many blessings to you. Uh, You too. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. You're still, I'm I'm still going to boast on you. Got a deal there? Can I still tell that story? Oh, sure. Please. (laughs) All right. And I tell you what, it's too bad you have, because one day we need to get together. I tell you, I spent Maria there. That's unbelievable. And we, we waited almost a year to come back here because of COVID. So, I'll bet. So we can talk. Okay. Thank you, wow. Scott. God Thank- bless you. Thanks, you. Take care, Angel. Bye now. And that, that uh, if you've ever heard me talk about my furthest away phone call, and, uh, you know, it just cracked me up. He hit me sideways. He said, uh, well, I'm, you know, Angel and Puerto Rico, 
and I need some help with freezing pipes. It's like, no, that no. You live close to the equator. You, you don't need help with freezing pipes in Puerto Rico. Well, he lived in Illinois, close to St. Louis, so that was on and on. The, so that's the story of my buddy Angel, or Angel, however that could be properly uh, pronounced. So I do my best at times. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Take a short pause and come back for more after this. This is the Helotech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby here. Stay tuned. Retire Ready coming up at 1 o'clock right here on KMOX. You can also listen to KMOX at 98.7 on the FM dial, 98.7 for any clarity if you want to get around. Or if you get the good KMOX AM signal, 1120 AM, or anywhere on the globe, odyssey.com, A-U-D-A-C-Y, has an app. You can take it anywhere and listen to virtually any radio station. So, Odyssey app.com or odyssey.com let's go my to my friend here uh see what's cooking with dave hey dave good afternoon how can i help sir hey hey scott uh real quick a couple weeks ago a guy called in about uh he's having trouble getting water hot water it took a yeah. long time for it to heat up yes uh, i'm in the same situation what what did you guys call that what something about a power vent or maybe just a uh, another line or uh, it is a return line. It, is, it was uh, my line. previous caller, Angel. It was the same answer. Uh, oh. Basic. If, if you have, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it, just think about this. If you got a hot water heater, it's full of hot water. Everything's good right there. Then you've got mm-hmm. a pipe where no hot water has gone through it for you know four hours. That water's right. all cold. So now you turn on the faucet forty feet away in the kitchen or the bathroom, whatever. And that has to empty that whole 40 foot of half inch right. or three quarter inch water. It can go on for 20, 40 seconds like that. Well, yep. if you put a return pipe on to where you just tap in, put a T or right. an elbow there, so that hot water line going to the bathroom and you connect it. So you put a return line going back to the water heater. And then okay. right before the water, you put a little slow pump, and it just moves the water very slowly. So that water just goes around in a circle, and it's hot all the time when you're not using it. When you turn right. on the faucet, you tap into it, so you only, you know, you have two inches, two seconds of cold water, and then right away, boom, you're into the hot loop. Right, because it's and running it, the house and going all the way around the steps and then coming up to the sink. So just a return line. I got a plumber coming out um Monday afternoon, so I just I couldn't remember what to, what you call it. Yeah, it's a recirculating pump or an instant hot or a loop hot water system. Any of that. Uh, if if he doesn't know what I'm talking about, He'll then you, you have a green plumber <laughs> because the, right, right. most of the plumbers will know exactly what this is. They've been doing them for years. They're pricey because now you're putting two pipes in. You do this little pump. You have to buy a really good pump because this thing runs 24-7, and it's okay. connected to all that pipe, so that thing will hum. So it, it can make noise if you if you buy a cheap pump. Okay. All, all right. right. Sounds good. All right. All right take, take care. Yeah. Let's go to my friend Jim next, see what's cooking with Jim. Hey, Jim, Scott here. How can I help? Hey, Scott. Uh, So uh, the other day I went down the basement. Actually, this has been going on for about a month. A hot water heater is about, oh, maybe six years old. And I noticed there was water dripping out of the uh, relief valve tube. 
Um, I called a friend of mine who is a plumber, and he said, just, you know, flip that lever real quick. Um, And and I did, and it stopped. Um, uh, And he said, it might be a problem with your expansion tank. So uh, I, um, he said, you need to check your water pressure coming into your house. I'll try to make this quick. So I got got about 50 seconds, so make it real quick. Okay, I got a water pressure gauge. My water pressure coming into my house was 90 PSI, um, which I called the water company. They said we typically have high water pressure out here. um, And uh, I called a couple other plumbers. Some say, oh, yeah, you probably need to, you know, turn that down. And others say, how long have you been there? 30 years and nothing's really happened. Don't do anything with it. What's your advice? Uh, there's a pressure reducing valve. I'm going to pot you down. Yeah, there's a pressure reducing valve um, that uh, mounts right where the water comes into the foundation. That's your best bet because you can choose your your pressure. Um, it will 90 psi will wear out your solenoid water valves on your washing machine. Your dishwasher and appliances that have that solenoid valve so i would put the pressure reducing valve on that line scott mosby home and improvement stay tuned for retire ready on camo x